Growth Igniters Radio, episode 38. CEOs, now you're the futurist. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of growth on the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right across from me is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. You know, I am so excited to be joining you again for another episode of Growth Igniters Radio. And if this is your first time listening out there, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for leaders to take themselves and their companies to their next level of success. So, Pam, What's our topic for today? The role of the CEO as futurist. Get up my crystal ball. <laughs> A little bit. In my book, Preventing Strategic Gridlock, I talked there about the importance of taking a more expansive view of strategic thinking and planning by what I was calling understanding the full challenge that our organizations are facing, Yeah, both the short-term and the long-term. And our friend and returning guest, Jim Blasingame, complements this with his position that all CEOs need to embrace the specific role of futurist to stay relevant to their customers. Now, for those who haven't yet heard one of Jim's previous episodes on Growth Igniters Radio, he is one of the world's foremost experts on small business and entrepreneurship. He's creator and host of the weekday radio program, The Small Business Advocate Show, which is on the air five days a week since 1997, and I am proud to be a member of Jim's Brain Trust for a long time now. And he's also author of the award-winning book, The Age of the Customer, Prepare for the Moment of Relevance. And of course, you can see Jim's complete bio by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 38, and scrolling down to Jim's bio. Jim, welcome back again to Growth Igniters Radio. Hey, Pam. Good to talk to you. Thanks for inviting me back. Hi, Scott. Hey, Jim. We can't stay away from you. <laughs> well, you know, we do have a lot of compatible ideas, and, you know, I like the way you guys think, and I guess you like the way I do, and, and I, I just think we have a lot of good energy together. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure having you here. So let's talk a little bit more about this idea of the CEO as a futurist. In your book, The Age of the Customer, I was particularly struck by the fact that you said CEOs must now personally become futurists, and it's interesting that you say that because haven't savvy CEOs in every size company always look to the future for growth? I mean, they have strategic planners and all of the rest of this. Well, they have. You're exactly right. However, way too many small business owners don't do enough of that. And I think it's because they don't think of themselves as a CEO, the chief executive officer of their company. And that's because, as you know, we wind up spending a lot of time as a, as the manager of our, of our, of our business and, and mm-hmm. the different disciplines. But the CEO's job is to spend time on the vision for the company. And vision meaning things that are out in front of us that are coming at us, to see things over the horizon, to go out and, and do some reconnaissance, be the point person. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the infantry, we had listening posts that we would put out and would listen for what was coming you know, at the unit from, from far in, in, in advance of where the, 
where the main body was. And so to be one of those listening posts and to, to scan the, the horizon for what may be coming at you for, for good or for ill. Look, there are, there are people out there who are professional futurists. And when I talk about being a futurist, you know, some of them might look askance at me and, and say I'm deluding what they are, what they do, but I don't think so. To me, if I can get a, a small business owner to think about being a CEO and to think of themselves in that role as the futurist for their company, the person who has to go and anticipate what's coming at the company, that's what a futurist does in a lot of ways. They see many points of light, many, many points of, of interest, many uh, details that are from disparate origination, and they pull all those things together and they come to a conclusion with all of that. And because they've taken their head out of the trenches of running their business, they're able to do that a lot better. And that's the reason why I think that as a CEO, one of your jobs is to be the futurist for your company. Oh, that makes sense, Jim. And, you know, you talk about small business owners. We've seen that even in mid-sized companies and larger, uh, the top leaders sometimes are so entrenched in being in the business, working in the business, that they don't always work on the business. They're relying on others. They're relying on others, uh, or sometimes they don't even. In my opinion, this isn't a delegated job. I, I agree. So what has changed in the environment, in our business environment, that makes this mindset of being a futurist more important than ever before? One word, Scott, and the, the word, and I've been using this word for a long time now, velocity. You know, change is, is not different today from what it was uh, a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago. Okay. It's all about going from, from one model of your, of your strategy or your product offering or your or whatever from one generation to the next generation. That's what change is, right? That hasn't changed in 10,000 years. What has changed about all of that is the velocity of change. And so and that's what's taking our breath away, Pam. You know, when I was coming up as a young club, you could develop a strategy. You could develop a, a, a comp plan for your salespeople and, and a strategy for to go to market in, and, and put it in the place in January and expect it to serve you all year long. Today, right. 90 days is max, right? They call that the... The internet year, right? Well, if you're not continually scanning the horizon and putting pieces together that to other people might not look like they fit the same puzzle, and that's what futurists do. They pull together pieces of the puzzles. You know, there's a hidden piece in that puzzle to the right and a hidden piece in the one on the left. Nobody would ever know that they go together if, you, if, if somebody wasn't scanning both of those puzzles. That's what futurists do, and that's what a CEO has to do. And, it's, and the reason is it's, it's more important than ever before is because the velocity of change has increased so much. The compression of time from one generation to the next has just gotten so much smaller. It's absolutely true. I mean, in some ways, one of the things that we've liked to talk about with CEOs and the idea that it's almost like having radar. You have to be out there constantly scanning the environment. So. You, you know, we're singing from the same songbook, so to speak. But here's the thing. If leaders know that they need to look to the future, and I think more of them do, the people we've been talking to do know this, still, there are things that they're missing. So what do you see as the most common things that any CEO that you've spoken with right now has been overlooking or underestimating? You know, we came up in the 20th century, many of us, where we always focused on what the competitor was doing, right? Because the competitor was what was where the changes were coming from. Whatever right. our competitor was doing, we had to keep up with them. And and I I think there's still way too many companies out there, way too many executives 
who are still focused on that competitive focus. And in my opinion, the things that I look for, I don't worry about the competitor in my, in my world. I, wor- I worry about what my customers expect. What are they going to expect mm-hmm. from me? And so when mm-hmm. I look at the future, I'm imagining a customer and I'm saying, okay, what are their expectations? Now, I'm not even asking myself, what are they going to need? I'm saying to myself, what are those people going to expect from me? And uh, Pam, Scott, I not only want to be prepared to give that to them in the future, I want to tell them before we get there that this is what I think you're going to expect from me, and I want you to know that you can count on me to be there. So they could be expecting different things totally than anything that could be imagined today. That's exactly right. And here's the thing, Pam, they don't know that they're going to expect that. That's your job as 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 someone who helps them, if you're helping CEOs. And as a CEO, it's going to be your job to say to them, look, I believe that this is how you're going to do business, how you're going to go to market. You're going to expect these kinds of things two, three, four years from now. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I want you to know I've been thinking about it. And because we're integrated partners with you, and I'm, you know, I'm the CEO talking to my customers, mm-hmm. I'm giving them my vision, my, my futurist vision. You're, I believe this is a direction that you're going, to, you're going to, what you're going to be thinking about, you're going to be expecting this from us. And I want you to know whether I'm exactly right or only partially right. We're thinking about it now, and we're going to be here to, to deliver on what you expect from us. And then I would say to the customer, what do you think? You're helping your customers be a CEO features. Exactly. So the more that we can get away from thinking of traditional sources of competition and really focus on what's going to be happening out there next, then we can find ways to stay relevant to our customers and stay ahead of the game instead of lagging behind it. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Jim Blasingame, the small business advocate about the CEO's role of leading into the future. Stay with us. You are listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, on the web at businessadvance.com. We enable successful companies to accelerate to their next level of innovation and growth. And if you like what you're hearing, spread the good word. Go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 38, and use the share links for Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter on the top right of the page to tell your social media communities all about us. Use hashtag GrowthIgniters. This will help extend our reach to all of the people who can benefit from this series. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Scott and I are talking today with Jim Blasingame, the small business advocate, about the CEO's role as chief futurist. Jim, how can people find out more about you, about the small business advocate? Hey, Pam, thank you uh, for having me back on your show. I really enjoy spending time with you and Scott. You're doing really important work here, and I'm proud of you for what you're doing. Uh, Folks can find me at smallbusinessadvocate.com, or if they forget that and they remember my name, you can go to jimblastinggame.com. Also, they can find out more about my book, The Age of the Customer, at ageofthecustomer.com. And uh, lots of stuff there, and including a quite a body of work, Pam, that you have helped me produce on my show. Well, that's right. We've been together. How many years did we say it was that I've been part uh, of your about, brain trust? About 10 years or so. I've forgotten. 
Yikes. <laughs> so there's quite a body of work there. And yeah. uh, you're getting quite a body of work on uh, Growth Igniters, too. Uh, this is uh, something like the third episode that you have uh, been with us for. And a lot of the material that we're talking about, some of these concepts, are coming out of The Age of the Customer, which was really a book that I found so striking, so thought-provoking. We've now sold 60,000, approximately 60,000 copies of that book. Wow. That's great. It's, it's fabulous. In fact, the piece about the CEO, Now You're the Futurist, came from the epilogue. I think it was mm-hmm. it was the, the last yeah. chapter. So going back to our conversation, we were talking before the break about how we really have to stand out and work with customers and their expectations, not worrying so much about competitors. Can you tell us a story about a leader who has been successful in doing this? Well, let me tell you a story on myself. This is a very dramatic one that uh, people might think it was an odd thing for me to do. As you know, I have a radio show. Yeah. And and I have sponsors. God bless them, everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but about seven years ago, I went to one of my leading sponsors, and I gave them one of my big idea presentations, and I said, in a few years, you won't pay me to be on the radio anymore. Okay. And you won't think about advertising the same way then as you will now. You might still do business with me, but the way you do business with me as an advertiser will be significantly different in a few years than it is now. And in fact, I told the vice president of sales and marketing, I said, and that won't be your title anymore. You won't be vice president of sales and marketing. You'll be vice president of of communities. And, And the truth is, in that company, almost all that's come to pass. And so, you know, using another military uh, uh, analogy like I did in the last segment, Scott, I called the artillery down on my own position. Right. And by, by telling them that, you know, they looked at me like, why are you telling me this? This is how you make a living. I said, because it's the most important thing I do. As the futurist for your company, you also have an, opportunity, an obligation to be the futurist for your customer. And you might be out there on the horizon looking around saying, wait a minute. When I'm selling this customer, they may not want that in three years. Not that I won't sell this to somebody. Other people may want this. But this particular customer might not want this. And so I've got to do two things. I've got to, number one, find out what they're going to want. And number two, go tell them about it right now. Because, see, if you're the first person to tell your customers about something like that, talk about credibility. Talk about a customer you can't run off. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I've actually done something like this before. And it turned out that they said, you know, you were right. I don't need what you sell anymore, but I want you to help us find what we do need. I, di- I didn't lose the customer. So it's a bit of an art as well as a science because you're having to figure out when to tell them that they are going to be doing things differently. How long in your story was it from the time that you told that vice president of marketing that he was going to become a vice president, I guess, of community? How long it's was about that? Five years. About, about five years. So you didn't want to tell it to him too soon. Well, I, I, I wanted to tell him as soon as I knew, as soon as I, I believed it was true. Because as you know, this company was a lot bigger than mine. It's a huge company. And so, as you know, these companies, they're, they're freight trains. They're not, they're not Volkswagens, right? They, they take a long time to turn around. It, and so this company took my ideas to heart. And today, they literally have made the shift so that they're much more uh, diverse in the way they go to market and consequently 
are having double-digit growth year over year. Uh, Jim, you, I think you were making the point that uh, you didn't lose them as a customer. You said, you're not right. going to buy this from me anymore, but you morphed and they stayed with you for other value. So you, you changed the value right. and increased your value to the customer. If anybody has a problem thinking of themselves as a futurist, I can see that because that's a little bit, that's a little bit presumptuous, I admit. But, you know, leave it to me, Pam, to, to do that. But be more comfortable with this. Think of yourself as a thought leader. I mm -hmm. want every one of my customers to not only buy my stuff, I want them to think of me as a thought leader. And if they think of me as a thought leader who serves them in other capacities, then that's a customer I can't run off. And there's a guy named Robert Ringer who wrote a book 40 years ago called Winning Through Intimidation. You know what I'm, the book I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Winning Through Intimidation. But he said intimidation. He didn't mean be loud and aggressive. He meant do things so excellent that your customers are intimidated to not have you around. They're, they're afraid to not have you around. And I took that to heart. And so I want my customers not only to think of me as, as a person who delivers goods and services to them, I want them to think of me as, as a futurist resource and, and at least as a thought leader. So the more that your customers think of you in this different way, there really is no competition in a sense. How does a competitor take, that, take you away from them? Well, that's true. I've had customers call me up and say, hey, Jim, I've got a competitive proposal that looks pretty good. Will you come help me decide if I need to change or not? That's some that's credibility when you get to that point. Well, absolutely. So we're going to take another break. And when we come back, we'll be speaking more with Jim Blasingame, the small business advocate, about some immediately useful ideas for sharpening your futurist skills. Stay with us. So, Pam, can you tell our listeners why clients engage us to speak at events, conferences, and company offsites? They're seeking new insights for dramatically accelerating company transformation and growth. They're also seeking new leadership insights about themselves, their teams, and their organizations so they can make bold new decisions about strategy and implementation. It's been especially rewarding to find that some of our company offsites have resulted in breakthrough decisions that have generated as much as tenfold growth over five years. So contact us today at businessadvance.com to arrange for a brief call to discuss your needs and options for helping you achieve your most important goals. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been talking with Jim Blasingame, the small business advocate, about the CEO's role as chief futurist. Jim, how can people find out more about you and especially read that book of yours? Thank you, Pam. Again, it's great to be with you and Scott. I'm, I'm, again, I, I just want to tell you how proud I am of you guys. I saw what you were doing in the beginning when you were launching this thing, and I knew you were onto something, so... Congratulations on the great work you're doing, and thank you so much for allowing me to come and play in your backyard. So my website is smallbusinessadvocate.com. That's an 18-year-old website. That's a, that's a URL I've had since 97, and of course we continue to update it every day, new stuff every day. And that's, that's where you can find my main body of work, but also ageofthecustomer.com is the website for my book. And that's my new book. And by the way, Pam, I don't know if you noticed that, that book's won two awards, one international and one national award. So I'm kind of proud of it. 
And one of the things that we've been particularly pleased about is helping you to spread the word about this book. So we have been talking about being out there as the chief futurist and the importance of taking a much more proactive role as opposed to simply responding to all the changes that are coming at you. What are three pieces of immediately actionable advice that you can give to CEOs about developing their predictive powers and enabling them to put that to practical use in their own companies? Well, and and this is all about you you being the CEO of your company, but there's another role that you have to do that's not always intuitive because the world is is that alligators are, are biting at you. And one of them, as Pam said, is being a futurist for your company. Pam, my futurist friends, the ones who guys who make a living, the ladies and guys who make a living strictly as futurists. These are educated futurists. Uh, you know, they're, they're the real deal. Um, they use a practice they call scanning. And scanning is where you're, you're reading, you're listening, you're, you're noticing things across a wide range of topics. Probably most of them are somewhat associated with your industry. You're reading industry publications. You're reading the blogs of people who are in your industry that you feel like are really smart. They really they really see future. You're reading what they're saying. You're reading The Economist. You're reading The, the Wall Street Journal. And you're scanning all these things. You're listening to the different programs. And uh, you're going to hear certain people speak. You're attending uh, industry trade groups to hear key speakers and who are thought leaders in an industry. And all that is, is scanning, where you're picking up a piece of perspective here and a piece of information there. And then all that together might just be individual pieces. But after a period of time, you'll pick up another piece. And all of a sudden, just like in the, in the you know, remember the movie, The Beautiful Mind, where all those numbers came together and made a, made a conclusion? Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. what will happen. It'll, it'll kind of coalesce. These different pieces of information will coalesce, and you'll say, hey, I now have clarity about what I think is going to happen down the road. It'll coalesce for you. And so exactly. scanning is a really good, is a really good practice. Uh, one of the things, Jim, that I have been talking about, and I'd love your opinion on, is the idea that we have to go beyond even our own traditional industries and really become much more involved in not just our customers' industries, but our customers' customers' industries. That's right. Because... That's exactly right. Because it's easy to get absorbed in our own immediate industry and say, well, wait a moment, we were surprised that our customers are reacting this way to their customers. And it's like a giant chain, you know, dominoes. It's a lot harder, but I think that that's where we're going. And if you think of it like what you just described, it makes it easier to understand scanning because if there's a major resource that one of your customers' customers must have, and you found out that there's a war on the other side of the planet, and just quadruple the price of that commodity, well, that might have an impact on how you do business with your customer. And exactly. so those are, those are things to think about. And again, not so much for you to, to be defensive about. You can play offense by making sure that your customer knows that you're in tune to those things and you can actually have a conversation with them, maybe even point it out to them before they knew about it. Absolutely. And I'll tell stories on Pam here because people have sometimes accused her of having a crystal ball. One of the things that, Pam, you you talk about is going beyond industry information and looking at things as as diverse as pop culture, Good Morning America, things like that, because if you look at the whole gestalt of what's happening, you can sometimes get triggered into thinking about things that nobody else is thinking about if they're just 
focusing on the business and the industry. It's true. There's no shortage of places to look. So Jim, tell us, how do we narrow it down? There's no shortage of information. How do you suggest that people digest all of this so they they can make sense? You talked about coalescing, but anything specific? Well, I really have decided that the more I know about business, the more I know about the marketplace, the more I know about human beings and the marketplace, and as as fast as things have gotten and as digital as things have gotten, my world has really gotten a lot simpler. Because the more I know about those things, the more I, I believe that my answers to my future as a business owner are going to be found in my customers' expectations. And so if I think that's my North Star for my future, and I think that's my guidepost, I just go and and I continue to find out what my customers need and want and what their expectations are of me and what, what is going to be giving them new expectations, what's going to be empowering them even more. Whatever those things are, as long as I stay there, then I'm not going to wander very far away from success. So we've talked about the first immediately useful thing to do is you have to read and and get a broader view scanning. What's a second thing? Now, as soon as somebody is done listening here, what's the next thing they can do right away? I'm going to go real simple. It might surprise you to hear me say this. Get comfortable with projections. Start building 12-month cash flow projections. If you're not already doing this, and I know in your medium-sized companies, those CEOs have some folks who are doing it, but I think you might be surprised. Well, you might not be. A lot of people might be surprised that how many companies don't do projections. And I love to do projections, and if a, especially a smaller company wants to start thinking in the future, one of the things that helped me is start building 12-month, 24-month projections for my business. It helps me to get my head outside of the here and now. For example, remember that company I said might be impacted by that commodity? If I'm projecting all of 2016 to to have a certain amount of business from that company, and I see they may not be doing as much business because one of their customers is going to take a hit, I might take that 2016 projection, which I'm building right now for my own company, I might dial that back 10% and then say, okay, what's that going to do to my future? And then I say, okay, how do I go get that 10% back? Well, I'm going to call on that customer and see if I can't help them uh, uh, guard against their, their own problem with their customer, maybe I, maybe I don't lose that 10%. But if I weren't thinking about it like that, I'd just be wandering around. I'd, I'd show up on January 1 as that customer and say, okay, how's this year look? And they're saying, oh, you haven't heard? You know, our customer went away. Mm-hmm. You, know, exactly. you don't want that kind of conversation. You want to tell your customers about their potential customers going away. I mean, sort of speaking. That's how you prove to your customers that you're more than a vendor. You're a partner. You're an integrated partner. And that's what we want to be. So what's the third piece of it? I yeah. <laughs> it's well, a wonderful I, feeling. I love um, that feeling. But, yeah, the, the third piece, I'm, I, I really think this is important. Get up off of your backside and physically get outside of your four walls. Go to, go to a local chamber meeting. Go to a regional industry event. Go to a national industry event. Budget for it. Don't tell me you can't afford it. Budget for it because, Pam, every time I've gone somewhere, and many times I thought, oh, man, I don't want to go. Every time I've done that, and I've been, in, especially the ones where I didn't really want to go, I've come back saying, wow, I don't even want to think about what would happen if I hadn't gone there this time. Interesting that you would say that our uh, previous guest, Jane Howes, has been talking about social media presence as another way to get outside of the four walls. Would you say that that would be an important thing also for CEOs? I don't disagree with that, but what I'm worried about, you know, I'm the original social media heretic. I wrote a whole chapter on this. We use social media here like crazy, but I'm telling you, social media is one of your tools, and it is not a substitute for face-to-face. 
Remember this, face-to-face is the original social media. Well, that's, that's a great thought. Absolutely. So these are really sound pieces of advice. Any last thoughts that you would have as far as this whole topic of a CEO as being the chief futurist? Well, first, you can't be the futurist as a CEO if you don't think of yourself as a CEO. As a CEO, you've got to fire yourself from jobs you don't have to do anymore, promote yourself from jobs that, that only you can do, and one of those jobs that nobody else can do. Not one other person in your organization can do this, and that's being the futurist of your company. Exactly. And that advice goes, incidentally, I think, for CEOs of any size company. So uh, thank you again, Jim. This has just been great. Really appreciate you I'm being right, on I'm Growth right, Ignitus Radio. Guys, I'm proud of you. You got to keep up the good work. Whatever Pam and Scott do is top shelf. So. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for being on Growth Igniters Radio, and thanks to thanks, you Scott. out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. And to check out resources related to today's conversation, share on social media, find out about upcoming episodes, or open a conversation with us, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 38. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to consider. What are three ways that I personally am going to strengthen my futuristic mindset and skills starting now to stay relevant to my customers? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio are service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses, including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated, are prohibited. All rights reserved.